75 to go. A half clear from Hopeful. Kerwin's Lane, a tissue very late. Kerwin's Lane wins the cut. Kerwin's Lane from either Hopeful or a tissue. Fourth in was Brutality. Hello everyone and welcome to Thoroughbred Weekly on this Sunday morning. Uh, yesterday at Hawkesbury, their Saturday Metropolitan meeting, uh, which will be followed by Gosford next week and Scone the week after. We were in a little bit of doubt early in the morning, about 8 o'clock uh, down she came and it stopped about 9.30. It didn't return the rain and we got through that meeting. So the horses, uh, they ran on a heavy track. The patrons were running on a heavy track as well. <laughs> they had to uh, dodge the mud as best they could, Brad Gray and Corey Brown. Yes, we saw a bit of everything out there, didn't we, yesterday? It's a meeting that the locals have really embraced, haven't they? You get those punters that are rusted on, they've been going on the races for 20, 30, 40 years, but the most noticeable thing for me was just how many young punters yeah. were up and about, especially as we were leaving the track and you get the impression that the party was just beginning. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's exactly there was right. lots of race plates thrown, let me tell you, between <laughs> the, the bar and the car park. <laughs> what did you think, uh, how things played out there? Uh, they delivered a, a very heavy track, of course, but only a nine officially. It was testing. All the jockeys were telling you that. Yeah, no, it was very testing. Um, all the boys were saying they were having to sort of really carry them through it. Um, it was a little bit leaderish. You had to be in the first sort of four or five. Um, there were a few later on in the day that come from, from back, but um, look, considering the circumstances, I think the track race pretty good. Yeah, I think so too. I think form played pretty true, and in a lot of the races, the best horse won, which you can't ask for much more than that. Well, talking about the best horse, here he was in the Guineas. Uh, Mr Mozart was the best horse uh, in the Guineas, and uh, Willie Pike on board. This horse uh, won the Farlap. He then won the Doncaster Prelude. Didn't go to the Doncaster, missed out on the All-Aged, and he picks up the Hawkesbury Guinea. So uh, three group wins in a row. Yeah, he's flying this horse, isn't he? I think this was a really good win too, because what we don't see here is the first 600 metres, and he wasn't the quickest into stride. Willie had to give him a little dig, and I think he responded by getting a little bit keen in the first 600 metres, and his time through that first 600 metres was pretty slick. So he was there to be beaten, and Dalcheni looked like it was going to go straight past him, but I think he found again. Yeah, Dalcheni was probably one of the only ones that come from back in the field all day. Um, I just love how Willie Pike's worked his horse out. Like he, he's one of those sort of free-running horses. He was a fraction slow away, and Willie told me he didn't give him a dig, but I watched the replay again this morning, and he did give him a little shove, and then next <laughs> thing he was up and running quite sharply, yeah. um, and he sort of towed him to the front. But I just love the, you know, how he's sort of worked the horse out. He, he doesn't want to drag him down, or he doesn't want to let him go too far. So they're a great association together. He's a good sort too. Yeah, his tail there looks like he's got highlights in the tail. Exactly. Yeah, he stands out in the crowd. Uh, well, here is uh, the winning rider, Willie Pike. I definitely didn't give him a squeeze, but um, I was tardy away. I had him ready for quite a while, and as you know, you only get their attention for 20, maybe 30 seconds. And when they sort of didn't let us go, they seemed to hold us a little longer. Uh, I just lost him for that split moment, and of course, that's when they open. Yeah. Took you a little while to find your groove in the run, but when did you feel confident? Um, I was actually quite confident the whole way out the straight until I felt him coming. Um, once I found the front and he relaxed, I, I, knew I, was, I, I knew I was still okay. Like, we were tardy away, I did a bit of work to get there, but that's 
pretty much what it, I told myself in the run. Actually, he's done this in every every start. Whether it, he's done work early in all his starts, I've ridden him in, so I thought I would better not change the pattern. Um, but look, I was reasonably confident the whole way. Just that last bit when I felt one coming, I'm like, oh no. But you know, it was never passing us. He he waits till they get to him and then he fights. Almost causing a massive upset at 70 to one was Dalcini, a co-train by Cherie Curtis. Yeah, very close, but uh, yeah, that post came too soon, I think. The, the inside horse kicked back and um, was strong on the line as well. So, But huge run, very happy with our filly. It was at huge odds, but what were you expecting? No, I expected her to race well. I didn't, I didn't expect her to be as big odds as she was today. Um, had a sneaky bet on her straight out myself, so um, disappointed. But, um, yeah, very happy to have got black tight with her. What are the plans now? Take her home, see how she pulls up. We may look at scone, uh, may look at freshening her for, for Brisbane. You know, at this stage, anything's on the table. Um, but I think there's a nice, still, it's a nice win in her. A bit of a theme uh, about yesterday's meeting. A lot of those horses will head to scone that yep. fortnight. Mm. Friday and Saturday are both metropolitan meetings. Um, now let's go to uh, the cup, the Hawkesbury Gold Cup. And uh, John O'Shea pointed out in a pre-race interview that he, he wanted Kerwin's Lane in a position, uh, as you said, Corey, earlier, uh, about how hard it was to make up ground. This, this horse was in the perfect spot. Wasn't he? He's just one out, one back. It was a good tempo set by Arcademus, a real rolling tempo. And this horse just has such a lethal second up record. And I think John knew that, planned to hit this race second up uh, and got the job done. A tissue finally jumped out of the gate. Yeah. That third or the second horse, hopeful. There's something to work with there because it wasn't the best behaved in the yard. I was going to say it needs to. gave you a bit of a hip in the shoulder there. <laughs> nearly works on works on its attitude. I think it's um, nearly knocked me over. Actually, I was a bit worried for it, Rachel King there for a while because I thought it was actually going to put on a real performance and it was on the concrete when it was doing it. But oh, the, I, I thought it was a great ride by Tom Sherry. I, I say it nearly every week on the on the show. I just think he's the real package. This kid, he's about to come out of his time. Um, uh, there's going to be. Great opportunities for him, especially now with all the boys heading to, to Brisbane over the winter. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a terrific win. Mm. Arcado pulled up lame as well. Uh, it was galloped on two out of five lame, so you can be a bit forgiving of him. Right, yeah. I, I expect to see him first up in a Kosciuszko like last time. Yep, that's right. That's his go, isn't it? Mm. Keep him nice and fresh, 1,200 metres. Look out. Yep. Uh, well, Kerwin's lane. That was his ninth victory. Here's John O'Shea and Tom Sherry. I just felt he needed to find the right part of the ground, you know, and... Uh, and so uh, Tom, Tom did a great job to put him uh, where he did. And, and uh, when they're on a good gallop, you know, uh, I don't think, like I said, I don't think he's overly comfortable on that real heavy ground, but he does good enough to get through it. He's got a great second up record, loves the mile and uh, loves Tom Cherry. <laughs> Were you comfortable uh, watching that race when he just lobbed one out and one back? Yeah, no, no. I, I thought he was going to be uh, in the finish at least because the, the ones around him probably, you know, didn't lack a bit of form. And if anything, he might have got to the front a little bit soon, but you know, uh, it's hard to make up ground here today, so it's better to where, be where he was. Early days, this horse promised to win a, a nice race? Yeah, no, he's been a really good horse. So look, I'm just so happy for Ron Finnamal. He, uh, he's got some nice horses in the yard. We'd had a bit of a character building day up till now. <laughs> and, uh, and so it was good for him you know, to, see a, a, to get a good result on a, on a big day with a nice horse. Is there another race in a couple of weeks, maybe? Well, we're going to Scone, and uh, ideally we can run one, two there and get ourselves into the big dance. Yeah. Uh, as you know, Greg, uh, I'm quite a prolific man on the dance floor, yeah, and oh, yes. <laughs> we'd really look forward to participating in that race uh, on Melbourne Cup Day. He travelled beautifully. He took me into the straight very, very well, and I just was taught it was a matter of time. 
But you know, Hawksbury's a daunting strike and when they think you're home, you're not really home. He was um, a little bit hesitant to really give me his all when he hit the front. But um, in fairness to him, when I got stuck into him and, and asked him for his best effort, he responded well. And um, Congratulations to John and a good bunch of owners and uh, very grateful for the opportunity. So the uh, Scone Cup is uh, one of the country cups that's a uh, lead up to the big dance. First and second eligible for the big dance $2 million Melbourne Cup Day. Uh, winners are given preference uh, going into that race and it will go on a benchmark system. But that's where Kerwin's Lane's heading to try and qualify for that $2 million race. Uh, when we come back, the, uh, the Gold Rush Tycoonist win for Chris Waller. All right, let's go to the uh, the goal rush, and it was Malkovich who was set out favourite. The speedy Malkovich, could they run him down? Yes, they could. They could. He ran second here, but he's not a heavy tracker, is he? Because the, the way he quickened here at the 400, it's, the race is over. Yeah. But he just starts floundering that last little bit, and Tycoonus just wears him down, wears him down, wears him down, and gets him on the line. So, although he was beaten here, I thought he was really brave, but. Nice way for Tycoonus to kick off his campaign because he typically gets better as he gets deeper and deeper. And he looked like he had good improvement in him as well when he was parading around the yard. He still looked a bit big and burly. Um, another good ride by Chad Schofield. He um, hit a bit of a flat spot, Chad, when he first got home from Hong mm. Kong, but he's, um, he's starting to ride really, really well. So the horse I want to follow from this is Surreal Step. <laughs> it was an absolute cracker run. Look at this yeah. angle here. It's held up in between runners. It actually runs the fastest closing splits across the entire day. So first run for Brad Whittup. Uh, wherever he goes next, this horse over a bit further, uh, he's going to go very close. Our Bellagio missed the wash up from there was cardiac arrhythmia. Mm -hmm. Did look a little bit too bad yeah. to be true, so, and it was. Uh, here's Charlie Duckworth representing Chris Waller and Chad Schofield. Rock hard fit. We were slightly concerned that the track might have been too heavy. Whilst his stats on a heavy surface look really good, they were sort of at a at a lower lower level and a weaker grade. So um, we were certainly concerned when the rain fell this morning. Um, but he, he seemed to get through it well. Um, judging by how it looked in the run, obviously before we speak to Chad, I thought he might have been coming off the bridle at the top of the straight a little bit too soon. But because um, we did want to ride sort of ideally a pair worse and ride with one last crack at them. But look, can't knock Chad's ride, oh, he won. That's right. Uh, we were saying post-race, he did not want Josh Parr too far in front of him. No, he didn't. He didn't. And he proved the right move. So a winning ride. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, no, it's good, good to see Chad, Chad ride as a winner. Uh, look, he's, he's probably struggled a little bit to find his feet in, in Sydney um, with, with a couple of injuries and that type of thing and a couple of setbacks. But he's obviously a world-class rider, as is anyone who comes down from Hong Kong. So... Hopefully he can get a bit of momentum through through the winter months and uh, give it a red-hot crack next year. On paper, it looked like a two-horse race. Me and him, and he led and controlled nicely, but he really skipped around the turn. Definitely didn't plan to be up outside the leader, but the horse jumped so well and they poked up my inside, so I just let him cruise and kept him happy with the 54. And um, To his credit, he knuckled down and, and um, he overhauled the, the Malkovich quite comfortably. Well, here's Tycoonus winning the uh, feature sprint on the program. Uh, here's Bjorn Baker talking to Greg Pritchard about what he's had to do with Malkovich. Yeah, it was a good run. He was there for a long time. The wet track was the concern. That was probably the difference. But he ran very well. Uh, we'll possibly look at either going to Scone. There's a chance we could go to the Dooman 10,000. But he ran well. He, he's, uh, he's going well. He's very rarely let you down. Yeah, he's always consistent. He's always there and puts himself up there. And uh, he's got plenty of speed. 
What about the coast next Saturday, the main what, uh, race, 500k? Maurice is me dad, could go to the coast, um, back to a mile, which will be interesting, but he's been running really well. We came second in the Frank Packer Plate, um, but we'll just have a good look at the options and, and go from there, but he's well. Any others? Uh, not for the coast. What about the supporting races, the cup or the takeover target? Uh, takeover target, prime candidate could go there, fresh up. Um, he always runs well fresh. Obviously, we'll be concerned about the track, so um, we'll, we'll just look at that, have a good look at that and think about that, but uh, he's in good order. All right, we'll just put a cap on him. We'll lend him a cap and yeah. he get the Gary Portelli, Bjorn Baker. <laughs> uh, Combo. Yes. Uh, well, let's stay with the Bjorn Baker theme because it was um, Exotic Ruby winning the, uh, the crown. Uh, this is race number eight, 1300 metres, the feature fillies and mares race. And we'll get to them later, but these colours were seen to victory twice before Exotic Ruby won the crown. Yeah, it got a little bit messy here, didn't it, as we pick up the vision. We just missed Wonderbar being turned sideways, and that had a bit of a domino effect on those to its immediate outside. Maybe you can be a bit forgiving Brooks by, but mini upset here caused by Exotic Ruby. And we were saying uh, before, Corey, we came on the show that it can be a little bit horses for courses, can't it? It is. She was a, horn with, a, a horse with good Hawkesbury form, a race that was pretty much dominated by those on speed, and she just found herself in the right spot. She did. Um, I love the run of uh, Never Talk. Huey Bowman's mount got right back and um, found the crown of the track and um, just worked through the line. Fraction unlucky, uh, but next time out I reckon you'll be putting the foot right on the till. Yeah, Far Chanel I think was encouraging return too because mm. it wasn't a day that was easy for these first uppers. A very testing surface. She found the front. She was a little bit keen and she probably prayed like there's a bit of improvement to yep. come as well. Yeah, we missed that. Uh, where Wanda Bar got uh, back legs seemed to get taken out from a, a Josh Parr road Wanda Bar and he actually got suspended uh, for that ride, for careless riding. In fact, he copped a double whammy yesterday, Josh. He uh, was uh, found careless on French Bonnet in the third, careless on Wanderbar in the eighth. So all up, he's out from the 1st of May to the 13th of May. Uh, here is Bjorn Baker after the win of Exotic Ruby. We thought she might be able to win a midweek, but she's just kept improving. And uh, now she's a valuable man now, great for the team. Some really good clients in this, of course, couldn't be outdone. Cole Holt's colours, I think he's won two already. He's gone go-karting. I said, this is your best chance, but <laughs> no, it's been a good day. What did you think going into it, the, the way Exotic Ruby would perform today? Oh, she's going better than ever. First up run, I was very confident. She's 30 to 1... Uh, in that race and she went very well. I thought her work's been good since and she's rock hard fit and fitness counts for a lot at the moment. Um, she's got a great pedigree. Oh, she, she's going to be a... I can't wait for her foals. I'm just going to spend as much as I can. <laughs> <laughs> so what's going to happen? She goes to the sales now, uh, but you'll give her a, another run, obviously, before that because it's on when? Late... Um, late May. Late May? Yeah, I think so. So... Um, uh, we'll just we'll have a bit of a think about it and see where to. But I've, I've done well selling a few few mares with Brian Nutter to Tunga. She'll be another another good one. Snitzel Group Three winner. You can't go past that. Uh, well done. Good job. I've got to say one more thing. Yeah. I'm now the best trainer in my family. Hey, yeah. Now before you go, before we get to Rachel, your dad retired today. Uh, the great Murray Baker. So you are officially the only trainer in your family. <laughs> but a sad day for your dad. What's he going to do? Uh, it'll drive me mad. But, no, he's had a great career. Look, he, he loves Australia. It's one of the reasons I'm here. He's always always been looking towards any good horses he gets, he brings them over here. So, no, he's had a, a great career. It's been very good to him racing. And uh, him and my mum and, and the whole family have done well out of it. My sister's a vet and, and she's got a horse over here on work. I've got to pay for it. And, uh, no, he'll, he'll follow and uh, watch with interest. But he's... 
he loves all you guys, he'll miss coming over. She flew out the gates, which she actually did first up, but we sort of drew a bit awkward, but was able to let her stride forward today. Um, she just got in a really good rhythm on that track and was able to keep momentum up, which I think definitely helped her in the long run. Were you always confident in the run? I was confident she was going to keep toughing it out. She is very tough, and when one gets to her, I know she'll always sort of fight again, and I knew she was rock hard fit today and ready to run the best race. Um, your last ride was for Murray. You fell on Lord North. Yeah, Lord Arthur. Uh, no, not Lord North, Lord, uh, Lord Arthur. Arthur. Lord Arthur, Arthur yes. Yeah. So, um, Bit yeah, of sweet, isn't it? Congratulations and thank you and happy retirement, mate. You one, wrote, of the, one of the good guys. You rode a lot of winners for him early. I did, did yeah, years ago. Um, I, I can't remember the horses, but I, I know I used to ride frequently for him when he brought mm. them over, but had a good bit of luck for him. What a career. Yeah. Uh, Jason Coyle, as we go to a break, talking about Papali. Couldn't be prouder of her. Um, she's come off a, a roundly track which she didn't seem to handle at all. Um, and obviously today's testing conditions as well. Uh, but she handled that much better and was um, probably a little unlucky not to get the bob. Won the provincial midway wildcard, then finished back in the final on a bog track. It's been pretty consistent of late, apart from that run. Yeah, look, she's a she's a good honest mare. She's got that little bit of class that she showed today and there's no doubt her time will uh, her time will come. But this preparation, I hope. Have you got a plan for the rest of the prep? Yeah, look, natural progression is probably to go to Scone with her. Uh, 1,400, I'm sure the extra 100 will suit her down to the ground and the big track will suit her as well. Maybe a slightly better surface. Um, like I said, she's not far off winning something like this. Let's go back to the first race of the day. The Clarendon Stakes for the two-year-olds. Begunda is the winner for Gay and Adrian. Josh Parr was on board. Um, you're going to follow this closely going forward, Brad. Yeah, I think this is a pretty deep race. I know that on times, Mr Mozart ran considerably quicker time, but we're talking about a, a horse that's got a lot more exposure and is pretty talented and they really ran along in the early stages. So I think there's a bit of substance to this race. Uh, so the winner, Burgunda, is a nice horse. Basquiat. Looked to have this race shot to bits. I think it was just the five weeks between runs that maybe got him in the finish. Owen County, uh, he's a derby prospect in time. And even one of those horses flashing home from the tail, Awesome John, uh, he really savaged the line. So I think there's three or four horses we can follow with a bit of confidence out of this race, Corey. Yeah, I think the three both start. I think it's a really nice horse going to the 1400, having a long time between runs. Uh, didn't, didn't put a margin on the winner, but it, it definitely got right up there, and I, I just thought it was a good run. I watched him come back into the enclosure. He was having a massive blow, so there's lots of improvement in the horse. So a couple of really nice horses in that race. Burgunda by Schnitzel and um, Basquiat by Schnitzel. They paid $1.9 for the runner-up. Here's Adrian Bott. Still a preparation away, so um, you know, we'll have a good think about after today what we do, whether we push on to Queensland. Um, but really tempting to, to save him for the spring because um, he's the makings of a lovely colt. He's got some great pedigree behind him, a lovely type, and yeah, he showed some great promise today. Was it noticeable how much he improved at the stable between first and second run? Yeah, look, I, I thought, thought there was good natural improvement to come off that particular run. Um, you know, saw it, saw it throughout the week, uh, but but most most likely just getting under the conditions. You know, we felt probably 1100 might have been a bit sharp for him first up. I, I thought he stuck on and showed good speed uh, initially. So stepping up to the 1400 metres uh, was always sort of very confident in that regard. Eventually, one day he might see a good track. Oh, <laughs> it's hard to hard to imagine, isn't it? But um, look, I think he can be effective on on all surfaces. I know was testing today and, and no doubt that sort of helped with his pedigree behind him because he'll be a horse that we'll see over a bit further as well and he could be very effective at the mile and potentially up to 2,000 as we as we go forward. So it'll certainly open up a, a lot of options for him. I was fortunate enough to travel outside leader at a steady gallop. 
thankfully, I was able to wait a long time, uh, knowing that the the leader was was vulnerable at the 1400 on, on heavy ground. So I was able to be patient. But as you said, the the second horse, the favourite, come to me with a full of steam and, and and actually passed me. But to to this guy's credit, and uh, he he's head out and, and got the job done. And those colours were carried by Burgunda's mum, Pino, to win Oaks for Gay and Adrian. Let's go to the easiest win of the day, the Tab Highway, Hardware Lane. The first win in these colours for the day, this is bolted in. Didn't it what? So I did have the setup of 1200 back to 1100 metres. And I think, obviously it's easy to say in hindsight now, but that was such a big advantage here because the horses that were first up, uh, and they were in the market too, there were four of them, they were beaten 10 lengths, 10 and a half lengths, 17 lengths and 20 lengths. So this looked like a bit of a slog and he really, really attacked the line here. He was very strong weight. Worked in the line solid. Have a look at all the replays there at Hawkesbury yesterday. There must be a bit of a crown developing there at Hawkesbury, a little bit like the Sunshine Coast, because every winner was basically down the same strip of strip of track. And you notice out wide, Jay Ford in the yellow and green, um, Getting on that part of the track, I mean, it was obviously a lot more water out wide because they just didn't make any ground whatsoever once they got out about the, you know, nine or ten off the fence. Mm. Right down the middle came Hardware Lane. Let's go and hear from uh, Mitch Beer and James McDonald. Yeah, he's a, he's a quality horse. Um, I've always really loved him and I've just had no luck. And thanks to a terrific patient ownership group, he is only three, um, but, um, you know, we took him to a good race at Mooney Valley at the end of last prep and really thought he could win. He jarred up terribly. He's taken a while to come right, um, but we wanted to run him through winter and um, yeah, he's, he's got a fair amount of ability. Gee, I tell you what, by the strength of that, when you could come back and easily win another highway. Well, he's only a class two or so, um, and he's Bob, so, you know, picks up a really good bonus and just terrific. A, a great bunch of owners, um, not only at home in Aubrey, Shooter and the crew, um, but, um, you know, to, to train a winner for Carl Holt, who this is his first horse, he, he jumped in the stable, he just randomly texted me one day and I said, you better go in this one, it's going all right. So, um, to, you know, repay his faith and um, it's terrific. And uh, Carl and Lorraine and the, and the crew and a few have come up from Aubrey and Wagga, so uh, I think we'll be going home tomorrow. He's got big flashy white socks, he picks them up and puts them down pretty quickly. So, on, in that ground he, he got through it well, he put himself in a good spot, the pace was on and he was strong and late. Mitch has got a colour in his hair like you. Mitch Beer and Mr Mozart, they've got the same colour. <laughs> that was Hardware Lane. Um, now, let's go to the Midway. And this was for the local trainers, the Adard Stable, Knight. Yes, they were up and about after this log, weren't they? You could tell they were, they were just warming up for a big night, so hopefully that's not the heads hopefully are, are they, are they this watching morning. this morning? That's right, if they're up. I'm tipping they won't be up at this stage. But strong win from Knight. Uh, he sat on the speed. I think it was a really clever ride from Keegan Latham just to take off and yeah. turn this into a bit of a staying test. And you see he's too strong at the end. I think highly desired. He bounced back. That was a perfect setup for him. Just a slog home. And Akira uh, was the horse flashing home at the end. Yeah, Akira got home really well. He's a, he's a great rider, Keegan Latham. Um, I've been saying to him for, for years, he, he stands out noticeably at the Provincials on a Saturday. Uh, I've been trying to get him to the city. I know he's got a bit of a weight problem. He can't get down to ride really light, so the opportunities aren't going to be there. But I just love the way he puts him into the races and his riding style. He's a really, really good rider and deserves a lot more opportunities. Well, Ian Cherie Curtis stable, another placing there on the day. They're so close, but not close enough. I think they go home pretty happy, though. Yeah, oh, Del Two, two yep. horses, absolutely flying. Uh, so for Jason and uh, Lucy, uh, it was a big day for that local stable. Here's Jason Adard after the win. Really nice horse. He's had a very 
muddled prep. Like he's had a long time between runs and then we'd run a trial and the trials get put on the poly and, you know, we'll get called off and that sort of thing. So he's never had the perfect, you know, in between yeah. runs and everything's right. So um, uh, thanks to Keegan, he came out and gave him a jump out here on uh, Wednesday, last Wednesday. Um, and that was good. Uh, pulled him through the line really nicely. And uh, he's galloped here on the course proper. Uh, on Tuesday was outstanding. Uh, carried the top weight. <laughs> and, uh, you got on yourself? He went round and yeah. yeah, it was really, really strong work. Um, I didn't think the wet would bother him that much today, but you never know. You never actually know. So, um, but yeah, it was good. It's still a great effort though. A gap between runs like that to handle the going, yep, that over, adds further merit. Over 1,500, yep. yeah. And uh, pulling the earmuffs off as well, I think just to get him out and get his big, big rhythm and bit of momentum in his run. Um, that's helped him as well. He's a nice, big, robust animal, and he obviously uh, got, he must go through it pretty good. Um, I, I did trial him a couple of months ago on, at Gosford, uh, and it was pretty much the same as conditions as today. So I've had a, a good feeling that he would go on it. He was pretty keen early on in the race, and I thought if he, if he carries on being this keen, he's, he's not going to be able to finish his race off. But in fairness to him, uh, Jason Lucia did an outstanding job with him. All he wanted to be was a greyhound today and chase the hair, and uh, he did that uh, commendably well, and uh, it was a good win for him. OK, we'll take a break, come back with more of the Hawkesbury program. We'll go up to uh, Brisbane shortly with Michael Maxworthy, and he can fill us in on a day dominated by Sydney Stables yesterday at Eagle Farm, and also the highlights from Adelaide as well, still to come on Thoroughbred Weekly. Let's go to race four now. Deep Strike kept on its winning ways. Mick Price and Michael Kent Jr. after winning at Sandown and also Caulfield sent the horse uh, north and made it three in a row. It got very tight here. Um, we'll see it on the head on in a moment, but very brave from the jockey and the horse to take the narrowest of gaps and he really drives to the line. I guess you've got two lengths uh, from first to fifth. So there's a little, a little query in terms of the depth of this race. I think the one we probably take away here is Mission Phoenix. Uh, he's certainly getting fitter and fitter. He resumed from a lengthy spell this time back and there he was third up, improving sharply. So next time he's ready, I don't know what we do with Carla Paul. Uh, maybe it was just a heavy track. Yeah, I think so. That's a perfect example of that ride of Huey Bowman's. Like he had every opportunity to come out with Carla Paul and um, work down that outside line, but he opted to switch back towards the inside where I think that crown's developing and just get on the much better going. Wasn't a lot of room there, was there? He had to, <laughs> no, he had to breathe in. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but he got the job done. So there's uh, Deep Strike, and here is that man, Huey Bowman. Well, he showed a lot of heart, and that's, a, that's something they don't all show, but um, I got into a beautiful rhythm uh, throughout the race, which is important, especially with these track conditions, and he was getting pushed out and out and out at the top of the straight, and I just wasn't ready to press a button, so I bought him a time and sort of went back in behind the bunch, which I was starting to question my decision approaching the 200, but I got a little bit of room, and like I said, the horse was very courageous the last 200 metres. Showed a lot of heart getting through the run. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of room, but like you said, it's a skinny horse and it's just as well. Just as well it was a skinny horse. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's the post-race comments. Um, now, Sacramone was third emergency when the fields were drawn up, but comfortably got into the field after all the scratchings. This was the other winner for Chris Waller on the day, and Tommy Berry was on board. Here's the race that turned into a bit of a sprint home, and the difference here was simply that Sacramone had the run under the belt. Brad Widdop's mares were... Well, very brave up in front. You think at this point, Authentic Jewel was going to skip away with it. I know that I was speaking to Brad Whitt after this race, and 
The report back from Jay Ford was that if it was drier, she would have won uh, because she just wouldn't have felt the pinch as much that last 50 metres. I think with the winner, I think it was a better win than it looked because Authentic Jewel had such a soft, easy lead. And like mm. you said, Brad, they did sprint home. But um, given the soft lead that Authentic Jewel got, I, I thought it was the winner. It looked the winner all the way down the straight. Um, but again, I just think the winner was better. You know, the, it looked... It was better than what it looked. Yeah, I think there's extra merit to it because he wanted further than 1,100 metres. Yep. He's going to get out 12, 1,300 metres, maybe even further in time. So watch out for him to, to be placed to advantage next time we see him and he could potentially go back to back now, Sacramony. All right, let's go and hear from Charlie Duckworth and also Tommy Berry. He's a pretty progressive horse. and We are just talking to, to Carl and Lorraine before the race. These Per and Cantos, they just need time and they seem to get better with time. So... Uh, that's that's basically him down to a T. Uh, he probably should have won last start. He was a little bit, little bit sort of lacklustre in the first half of the race, and we actually wanted to be a little bit further forward today, but it wasn't to be. And uh, Tommy sort of bullied his way out at the turn, and he was just too good. You could see tra Tommy travelling so well, but Brad's horses weren't going to be easy to get past. No, they weren't. They weren't, especially on this very testing track. But um, look, he's he's obviously got a really good turn of foot. I think the day he got beaten by Starman. Um, back in December, it was probably writing on the wall that he was a pretty progressive horse. So um, it's exciting for Carl and Lorraine, and if anyone sees them later in the day, they told me they were going up to sit in their lucky seats. So I'm um, tipping there might be a seat upstairs at Hawkesbury that has a bit of magic. Danny Jewel wasn't too far ahead of me. I always had in the back of my hand, if he, if he got a bit of a break on me, then he might be hard to reel in, because I know he's a strong horse over the 1100. But my bloke lobbed into a beautiful spot and um, had a nice cart into it by the stable mate and, uh, of, the, of the second horse and um, just was full of running at the top of the straight. His last preparation, he wasn't as strong as he is now, but he was real fierce going and he's really grown into a nice horse. He's a lot more relaxed and that showed today. How much upside do you think he's got? I think he's got plenty there. He had a good blow when he pulled up. So I think Chris has got some races targeted in Queensland for him and if he keeps going on the, on the way he is at the moment, um, you know, he's, he should be hard to beat in a few nice races there. It was, uh, it was nice for Bowman to give him a nice barrier trial last start anyway. <laughs> now let's go to the last race of the day um, and keeping in mind Norwegian Bliss has won five out of five going into this race she won a, a maiden at Port Macquarie a class one at Newcastle then went to the midweeks then went to a Saturday at Newcastle which was Hunter Day so it was a Saturday Metro meeting resumed a midweek at Hawkesbury and then wins her second Metropolitan Saturday to make it six out of six it's not easy. No, winners just win, don't they? And the beauty about her is like, you look through her form and she does it from behind. She does it from in front. She's mm. wet, she's dry. Yeah, 1,100 metres, she's 1,300 metres. It doesn't matter. And although the winning margins haven't been big, her last four wins, she just knows how to find the line. We didn't see it yesterday, but we're talking about that uh, James McDonald pat that he gives them, you know, <laughs> confirming that they're... Yeah, what was there one here? Yeah, no, there's not a pat, but oh, you can just tell... I missed he, it. He's on, he's, on the, he's, on the, he's on the line to give her one, because I could just tell by the, his voice, like what was in his voice when he came back in the post-race interview, you can just tell he's got a, he's got a good bit of time for her. She's a beautiful, strong... Yeah, she's she? a lovely-looking horse. Um, and like you said, it's not easy to do to put, put six together, no matter where you're racing. I'll tell you what, the run of the third horse there, Oceanic Flash... Uh, yep. For a horse that took 1,800 metres to break its maiden, I thought 1,300 metres first up to get that close, mm. really encouraging. Yep. He's saving the pad up, I think, <laughs> J-Mac. Mm. Let's go to Nathan Doyle, the winning trainer after the race and also the jockey. Let us take us take it through a grades and, and just place her right and um, 
I sat and watched the race with Luke and uh, after they went 200 I said we're in trouble here today. I said they're not making ground, she want, she'd want to be good. Pick them up in a big weight on this sort of surface, uh, second up and uh, she, had, she had them covered at the corner. So uh, there's plenty left to come with her. Uh, I think she'll be best third up and uh, she needs to take that step, that dark jewel now I suppose. She's bomb proof as well, she's very easy to ride when she's out going. She gets a little bit warm but um, she, just got, she races with great enthusiasm and just really wants to do it. Put her in here in the race. She's got a good turn of foot on the slow, on the soft ground, and she's a winner. How much better do you reckon she'd get? Uh, she'll she'll improve a lot because she's early on in her campaign. This is a second preparation, so she can only be on an upward spiral. I think they'll aim for um, some stakes races, and look, she won't be far away even if she's getting beaten. But um, she's a real gallant little horse. So that is a look at Hawkesbury yesterday on a heavy nine. It started a heavy eight. We got to a nine and that was 10 races on the program. When we come back, Michael Maxworthy sums up everything at Eagle Farm yesterday on Victory Stakes Day. Well, we had an excellent day's racing at Eagle Farm yesterday for day one of Stradbroke season for the Brisbane Racing Club. It was weather fine and the track was good. And the track was getting a lot of compliments, in particular from the southern jockeys that were riding here that hadn't ridden here since the renovation, which was great news. Plenty of highlights. We had a couple of Group 2s and also a listed race for the two-year-olds. We'll come to those in a few moments' time. And it was also good to have Chris Waller in attendance at Eagle Farm yesterday. He was here to see race three on the card where he had Kerr Royale, one of the favourites, as well as Minsk Moment. And we're going to pick them up turning into the straight here. And Jimmy Byrne on Minsk Moment. All he needed was a touch of luck, and when he got clear, he charged at the winning post. Minsk Moment running home down the outside. Hamlet Von Stetzel, and also down the outside. Minsk Moment finishing strongly released to Bean between them, but Minsk Moment. Minsk Moment gets up to win. I love the way Minsk Moment really put his head down and attacked the winning post there, and he was downgraded a little bit in terms of competition at Eagle Farm yesterday. He'd been running against some really good horses, including Marzu in Sydney, so he got the money there, getting back up on top of the ground at Eagle Farm. First of the highlights was the listed Dalrello over the 1,000 metres. And a month ago at Duma, we saw the debut performance of the Toowoomba two-year-old Steady Ready, who won by about six lengths in fast time. Well, he was sent off the best back runner here. Most of us expected him to lead from an inside barrier, but he didn't quite have the speed. And Jimmy Byrne on the eventual winner, Exo Lady, went forward. She was obliged to race three deep in the breeze, but she eventually established the lead and gave a good kick. It's Exo Lady, still the leader. Steady Ready's a length and a half away. El Palsgal, the inside, and Plinstock further back. It's Exo Lady. Now Steady Ready is knuckling down. Exo Lady, Steady Ready. They hit the line. Exo Lady's one from Steady Ready. Third, Plinstock. Well, that was a tip-top performance turned in by Exo Lady, ridden by Jimmy Byrne, trained by Desley Forster here at Eagle Farm. She's now had six starts, and she's had five wins. So a great return to racing by her. I thought the runner-up was still very good there, steady, ready. It was only his second race start and he tried really hard. He was only beaten around about a neck. Now let's move to where the first of our group twos. Race number seven, this was the Queensland Guineas over 1600 metres. Class came to the top here with the Godolphin runner character. He was a group two winner at Newcastle at the Tullock before failing in the ATC Derby. We know the track was very heavy and he dropped right out of it, but it was a great uh, team effort by Godolphin to get him back on song after only a month. 
ridden a great race by Jimmy Orman. He did have the alley where he could park just in behind them there, around about midfield, and the gaps appeared for him, and character was too good. Bursting through character, coast watching character, coming home late as Dark Destroyer, but character broke clear, Dark Destroyer's making ground, it's character from Dark Destroyer, character's in front, and character, character's won from Dark Destroyer, third Ashgrave. A great performance by character to bounce back following that failure in Sydney, and he'll now probably head towards the rough habit and then maybe onto the derby. I thought the runner-up there, the Kiwi Gallopper, Dark Destroyer, was very good as well. He was much better than that first-up run at Eagle Farm a couple of weeks ago. So I think they're clearly the two to come out of that Guineas. Uh, there wasn't a lot doing amongst the beaten horses there. There was nothing else with a flashing light. So I think we can follow Dark Destroyer, the runner-up, and also character going forward. The highlight was race number eight, the Tab Victory Stakes over 1,200 metres. It saw the return to racing by Rothfire. We hadn't seen him for seven months. He was backed into $1.90 in favour. It took him a little while to establish the lead, led by a couple of lengths, but he was under a lot of pressure at about the 200 metres mark. The eventual winner, Count Rupee, was given a lovely ride by Brock Ryan in the white colours, just in behind them there, and he gets up late to score. Scalapini's grabbed the lead. Count Rupee, the inside, flashing home late. Jamea, Scalapini, Count Rupee, other two. Count Rupee! Count Rupee's won from Scalapini. Jamea. The Kempler Grange galloper, Count Rupee, back into the winner's list. And uh, the riding was on the wall following his terrific second placing to Kementari in Sydney. But getting back up on top of the ground yesterday, drawing a nice gate, getting a good tempo, and he finished strongly to get up and score. Thought Scalapini was very good there. He looked the winner 100 to go. He was only overhauled late. And the three-year-old fillies are worth following going forward into the carnival. I thought Jamea, the winner's stablemate, was very good. Finishing strongly on the outside, a little star Tontes was doing her best over the final part as well. Luke Price said after the race that it's likely that Count Rupee will go to the Doombin 10,000 in two weeks' time. I think it's a great story uh, behind this horse and the fact that they've stuck with uh, young Brock Ryan, who was very humble in his post-race interview and was just delighted that they've stuck with him. And uh, the future certainly looks bright over the next month or so for Count Rupee. So they were some of the highlights at Eagle Farm yesterday. Next week, all roads lead to the Gold Coast. One great race after another, a stack of features. But the highlight next Saturday at the Gold Coast is going to be the Hollandale Stakes. Thank you to Michael Maxworthy. Uh, just going back to Norwegian Bliss out of the stewards report, which we didn't tell you, uh, post-race veterinary exam of Norwegian Bliss, they found blood in both nostrils. But after they had a, a further veterinary examination of her, they, they found a minor abrasion to a forehead. Mm -hmm. So they didn't deem it at this stage to have bled from both nostrils. They'll scope her. Yep. It may come back that she did, but at this stage they're not, they're not treating it yep. as having bled from both nostrils with Norwegian bliss. Yeah, something I have to keep an eye on. That will, that will come back uh, pretty quickly. In fact, it may be back... Um, already. Already. <laughs> But no news on that. So uh, let's go to uh, Adelaide. Uh, Ron Doversy's back next uh, week. He did send a message straight through. Play this on the show tomorrow. Golden Eagle horse. Uh, a horse called Elation in those uh, Ingham colours. One of the sets of the Ingham colours, which Greg Ingham uses now. Watch this. 
Alation charging through on the inside. The Colt quickly sprinted to the lead. Alation opening up a big space over Star of Chaos, then Perceptive and Defining. But have a look at this boy go. Alation, long may he play. He bolts up in the Nitschke by four lengths. Defining grab second. Star of Chaos, Perceptive. Hold now, that's two out of two for Alation. Mm. Two out of two. Three-year-old be rising four. What have we got there? Looks like a pretty special talent, doesn't he? He was just impressive on debut. Yeah. Uh, yeah, when he broke his maiden. So, sky's the limit. I don't know what they've got in mind, but I think every race is going to be thrown yeah, around. It'll be big. Yeah. Exactly Duff, right. Duff's just throwing in the Golden Eagle. He's on the lookout this early. He likes yes. to spot an early. Is it in the market? Second page, uh, $15. But the format of the Golden Eagle in its uh, short history has just been outstanding. I wonder if Duff's already had a little snip there at the $15. Uh. <laughs> Couldn't he's help not, himself. Couldn't help himself. He's not a, at home. He's not a thrill seeker. <laughs> he's not a thrill seeker. Uh, Australasian Oaks. Uh, here they are. We, we picked them up. Uh, Glint of Hope defeating Barb Raider and the Snowdens My Whisper. Take the lead. Barb Raider matching the stride. Glint of hope from Barb Raider. They shook off Ancient Girl. Now My Whisper called upon. My Whisper starting to lengthen after Barb Raider and Glint of hope. Glint of hope in front from Barb Raider. Barb Raider, Glint of hope, Glint of hope. The daughter of Deep Impact wins the Australasian Oaks. Glint of hope from Barb Raider. All right, now uh, let's uh, go back to uh, some of Greg Pritchard's work yesterday. Uh, catching up with a few trainers and where they're heading. Of course, Gosford next week with the coast. Uh, Paul Snowden here about uh, Gosford and also an update on Marzu. He hasn't got an Everest slot yet, but it might only be a matter of time. He's heading towards the Doom and 10,000. Yeah, look, he's a nice horse. Um, European stay that's um, first pre preparation for us. Um, purchased him um, over there, oh, geez, about four months, five months ago now. So, um, Look, he's done nothing wrong to date. He won his initial start at Sandown, dodging the tracks. We got him ready in Sydney and sent him down there. And probably was a little bit unlucky at Caulfield, his second run back. So um, he's been up here since uh, for about two and a half weeks now. And obviously um, eyeing off this race Saturday week. Um, now looking forward to see what he can do. Hopefully we can get some nice conditions to present uh, next Saturday. Always good to plan for these races rather than make them an afterthought. No, well, look, he's lightly raced. Um, we're still sort of getting to where, or learning about the horse, but obviously his ultimate trip, he, he seems to get a mile, no worries. Anything beyond that is a little bit uh, unknown, but I think the Australian conditions have probably certainly seen him get up over 2,000. And finally, Marzu pleasing you on the Brisbane Trail? Yeah, he's in very good order. Um, we had a little, little bit of time out just to clear his head. He had about six days out on the grass here at Hawkesbury, and... It's really put the horse in, in a good frame of mind. Um, he'll trial on Monday and, you know, he's got dapples all over him. He looks so well in himself and um, we left a little bit in the tank as well throughout that preparation just to go north. It was always in the back of our minds. Once we did get through his target races, just to give him one run up there and hopefully, um, you know, he can present well on, on 10,000 days. Yep, beautiful management of uh, Marzu, and he is doing the rest for the stable. Uh, let's go and hear from Charlie up, uh, Charlie Duckworth updating the uh, Waller runners for where are we going, the coast, and also an update on Nature Strip and Home Affairs coming up in this interview as well. We've got a couple of nominations in, in the coast. It's obviously an exciting race that will probably uh, continue to develop and grow over the next coming years as, as it's only a relatively new race. Uh, but Kiku's a quality race mare. Is in good form, and um, so look, I, I think she she's probably going to end up being close to favourite. If if not, she should be, because uh, she's absolutely flying at home. 
Polly Gray in the cup can expect weight, but if the rain comes, it loves it. Yeah, absolutely. Look, um, Polly absolutely hosed, hosed up last start. She does need a wet track. Um, so she'll she'll also hold a nomination up the up in Brisbane, but we'll we'll work out where where the wettest track is essentially and where conditions suit best. And um, we've got a couple of other run, other likely um, chances of going there, such as Irish Sequel and Elias, who Quinella the other week. Um, but look, it's um, they're down in the weights a bit, so it's it's a pretty open race. There's there's a lot of racing coming over the next over those staying journeys over the lot next week, including the Wagga Cup too. So. Um, we'll, we'll have to work out where they all end up early next week, um, but yeah, she's going well. Just pushing forward to Scone, and you'll have runners there, obviously. One of the interesting stories is around Madame Pomery going to the two-year-old challenge. Yeah, she's um, she's a really really nice two-year-old filly. Uh, she's bought by Sophie Baker, who um, is Chris's right-hand girl, and uh, so she, look, she's an all-ladies syndicate. But um, she, she's had one career start and she trialled nicely earlier in the week. So hopefully we can go there and um, look, if, if she can get some black type up this early on in the career, then it'll be amazing. Um, but if not, she'll be a progressive force for the future. Another interesting run in tab fixed odds betting. September runs favourite for the Robert Sangster. Going there? Yeah, she is. She jumped out yesterday down at Flemington. Uh, she jumped out really nicely. Craig Williams was absolutely wrapped. He'll obviously ride her next Saturday. Um, she's obviously got to, got to travel down there early, early next week, um, but all, all, all being well, I think she'll be a, be a live chance and hopefully justify her price. And just finally about the two great sprinters going to England, Nature Strip and Home Affairs, a lot of talk about which races I'll contest. Is it a given that they won't race against each other or is that still a chance? No, absolutely not. Look, we, we've, they'll travel over at the end of this month. We've got nominations in both races. Uh, look, at the end of the day, it's two separate connections. Um, I know it's only the one trainer, but they, they need to be racing in races that they can win. Um, they're both Group 1s, and, and, that, and that's very much what we'll be doing. We'll be running in the races where they're best suited to win, uh, whether it's one or both or none. Um, it doesn't matter. It's, we're, we're, we're trying to win races. That's, that's the end of the day. So he'll go to Royal Ascot Nature Strip and then come back to defend his Everest crown. He's been snapped up. The Wallace Stable, the Wallace Slot mm. have already taken him, which is no surprise. Yeah. Mm. Uh, they've already won it twice. They won it with Yes, Yes, Yes and Nature Strip in that slot. They're going for three. Yeah, they the haven't mucked around. No, that's right. The first one, isn't it? So I'll look at the market here and he's got that S there, Mars yep. Crusader, uh, of course, locked away as yep. well. So four dollar favourite to go back to back. Curious to see what the big grey can do. Yeah. Hopefully Lee's can get him up and going again, classic legend. He's a freak. What, what an amazing field though. Like, I even lost him running last time in Lockheed. Mm. It's great. You get the feeling though, there's going to be, this year maybe, the uh, the up and comers. Yeah, a bit of change into the guard. Yeah, yes. That, that aren't Absolutely. on that page yep. that mightn't even be really thought about right now. Mm. Um, I know, it might sound silly at the time, but Robert and Luke Price with Count de Rupi, mm. after he won the gong, that, that's what they want to aim at. Yeah. Now, who, kno who knows what happens in six months? Absolutely. Who knows if he wins a Doom in 10,000 and yeah. maybe is an Everest horse. But those sort of horses, the next, the next run through, Eduardo's long in the tooth now, but he'll come back. He'll, he'll be competitive again in an Everest and, and, and can win it. Mm -hmm. But what the young horses, the young three turning four. Yeah. A horse like Marzu. Marzu, yeah. Marzu. Yeah. If he comes out and wins the 10,000, You'd be very surprised if he's not snapped up. Yeah. Um, one more update from the Matt Smith stable with Greg Pritchard. 
Yeah, we've got um, three or four nominations for the race. Uh, Papalino, he's second up for the stable. He raced at Ramwick over the Carnival, over 2,000 metres. The Gosford Cup's still a little bit short for him, but uh, another uh, run under his belt, and when he gets to 24 and further, he'll come into his own. We've also got Esty Finney. He's had two runs this time in, in Melbourne, uh, both times looking for better tracks. And uh, we've been happy with him. He'll also be nominated for the Wagga Cup as well, so he'll be one or the other. And uh, we've also got Sweet Thomas. Um, he'll be getting ready for the Queensland Cup. And we'll use a similar uh, program to last year when he ran third in the Queensland Cup, so he'll start back again in the Gosford Cup. Given that there's a big chance we'll be facing wet conditions again, is there one you particularly like? Oh, Papalino particularly likes the wet. Uh, but the track's probably not ideal for him. It's probably a little bit short for him, but he really loves the wet. So he's a horse that will be very well suited over the next couple of months. Rightio, so out of town uh, we head, we've got Wagga, Gosford, Scone, Yes. they take centre stage the place. next couple of yeah. weeks. Bit of travelling. Yep, <laughs> on, the ro- on the road. On the road, <laughs> uh, that's what we'll be next Saturday with uh, Gosford for their big meeting featuring the coast, the Gosford Cup and the takeover target and then the following week the two big days of uh, Scone Friday and Saturday but of course we've got Wagga before all of those coming up this week. Thanks for joining us, uh, thanks boys, thanks, enjoy the rest of your weekend.